Scripture lessons this morning uh, from Exodus, then from the New Testament, reading first of all from Exodus, the familiar commandment, one of the ten, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Romans, the 12th chapter, I'm going to be reading just a verse before that as well. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And then from uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians, the second chapter. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, making my, make my joy complete, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in, that was in Christ Jesus. And then I add these words. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard, regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Amen. Amen. Well, I always look forward to Father's Day because I, get to wear my, I got to wear my Father's Day tie. You know, once a year, I pull this thing out and... Uh, uh, my kids presented me with this tie at the last wedding, a family wedding, and uh, they put all their names on there, decorated with stars and hearts. And, uh, but I have one more, one more name to put on here, so I don't know. It's going to have to go back to the factory, or they can add it or somehow. But uh, it's nice to have a, a, a full quiver, as the Scripture says, and to have lots of names on the tie. So this is a fun day. Uh, our culture sets aside this particular day to honor dads, uh, and it's certainly uh, in keeping with the biblical commandment to honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land. But what does it mean to honor dad? Is it enough to, to buy him a new tie or a new gadget? Those things are always appreciated. But uh, is there something more about, uh, about honoring dad? Well, there's an ancient Korean document translated into English by a clergyman in 1915 for use on the mission field that details how Korean sons were to honor and serve their parents. I found it so interesting that I thought I would read it to you for your Father's Day pleasure. It's not that long, so bear with me. Listen closely, children. This is how to honor dear old dad. The emperor Yu Jai Sun, 2200 BC, gathered his disciples together and as follows taught them the principles of proper etiquette towards one's parents. Father and son must be on good terms. Sons must rise at cock crow, bathe themselves, comb their hair, and dress themselves. 
When properly dressed, they must present themselves before their parents and inquire of them whether the room is warm and everything is to their comfort. There are many ways in which a son is to serve his parents. If their bodies itch, he is to scratch them. When they wash to hold the bowl so that the parents may bathe in comfort, and when ready for it, to hand them the towel, to respectfully inquire what they will take to eat, and then with honor to serve the meal, to wait until a portion of the food is eaten so as to ascertain whether it is to their taste, and then to retire. After the meal, both son and daughter-in-law should go to the parents to learn from them whether there is anything they wish done or an errand to run. When nothing has been given them to do, to remain where their parents are so that they may receive their orders. When spoken to, always reply in humility and never to answer back. If sent on an errand to go quickly, in all matters to be obedient and faithful as well as respectful. When parents desire to lie down, to prepare the place for them after inquiring in which direction they will lay their feet. The young people are to receive their parents' clothes and fold them, to place their shoes and walking stick in such places as can easily be found and where there is no danger of the old people stumbling over them. There are a number of things that must not be done in the presence of a parent. To yawn. Not to be done in the presence of a pastor either. It's in here somewhere. To peep about, <laughs> to blow the nose. If the body is cold, not to don extra clothes before them. However, one's body may itch, not to scratch it, <laughs> and never to laugh at anything unless the parent laughs. Nothing belonging to the parent is to be taken or used without permission. If a neighbor comes to borrow anything, to ask permission to lend it before actually doing so. Etiquette requires that a son shall neither sit on a higher level nor in front of a parent, that he shall not stand or walk immediately in front of them. The daughter-in-law, because she is the son's wife, is to serve just the same as the son. She is to wrap her head in a black cloth and to wear a hairpin. She is to sleep in the house with her parents-in-law and be careful to make no noise, always to be obedient to them, frequently to ask after their comfort and their health and in all respects to honor them. It may be said that the reverence of parents is similar to the carrying of a bowl full of water. Unless much care is exercised, the water will be spilt. In like manner, unless much care is taken in doing all things respectfully and correctly, an offense against the parent is committed. 
If told to do a thing they may seem, that may seem impossible to perform, it is nevertheless necessary that the attempt should be made. One must always be dignified and do all things in the spirit of respectfulness. During the lifetime of the parent, the child should, should go no long distance away and should never refuse to obey an order to which may be added, no matter how busy one may be or even if eating one's rice, the call of a parent is to be immediately responded to. Chung Cha says, do not forget to be happy if your parents love you. If your parents hate you, do not complain. <laughs> Even though your parents say that which is offensive to you, reply meekly. Well, we, uh, we read these instructions today and uh, we naturally find them somewhat amusing. And by our standards, it's uh, you know, way over the top. But this set of instructions from the Korean past are really quite beautiful in the way they highlight the importance of such values as honor and respect and careful concern for one's parents. Today's practices may be different, but the principles are the same. Indeed, honor and respect is to be shown to all of our elders. In many cultures, the very elderly are absolutely treasured. They are usually regarded with the highest degree of love and respect and are looked upon as crucial sources of wisdom and inspiration in the family. Did you know in the Middle East today that, uh, that there is such value put on old age that uh, people will actually try to exaggerate their age? Did you know that I'm actually 84? And I, uh, <laughs> I uh, just well preserved. You know. Of course, not only our parents or our elders uh, are entitled to receive honor and respect, but we owe it to every human being. But it hardly needs to be said that honor and respect are values that are so often missing in our culture today. A survey conducted a while ago by the Pew Charitable Trust found that 8 out of 10 Americans say a lack of respect and courtesy is a serious problem in our culture today, and 6 out of 10 say that it has gotten worse. Well, that was some time ago when they took that survey. I bet that's even higher now. I'm surprised it's only six out of, it would be six out of ten. It's probably ten out of ten. <laughs> uh, you know, there's just an incredible lack of civility today. Uh, I don't think our society has ever been so polarized, except maybe at the time of the Civil War. I don't know. It was kind of scary, actually. So what does it mean to honor and to respect others? And... Uh, and so here I'm not just talking about the honor that we show our parents or the elderly, but to people in general. In Paul's words, it means to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. 
Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So, in essence, to honor or to respect others is to get our own ego out of the way so that we can concentrate our full attention on the needs of another, listening to them even when one disagrees. It means not only not always insisting on our own rights, but deferring to others. Our agenda is to focus on others, not ourselves. It's to treat others as you would wish to be treated. Do you remember how it was um, <clears throat> right after 9-11? And, you know, that was so traumatic for this country. But there was kind of an incredible coming together. There, there was some, in some sense, it's kind of like it brought human beings together and we, show, we showed more concern and care for others. There, were, there was a tenderness in our hearts because of that tremendous trauma, that loss of life. And, you know, you know, in downtown, you know, office managers would come down to the streets and would talk to people who lived in the streets. And, and uh, people would talk to one another. And uh, uh, there was a softness in human relations. And it lasted for just a very short time, but it was very real for a while. People also came to church. Lasted about two weeks, but... <laughs> but it's kind of like we all realize the, the common bonds of our humanity, you know? Honor and respect for every human being because every human being, every life is so valuable and so important. Now, we Christians ought to model such love and respect. The Apostle Paul encourages brothers and sisters in the Lord to be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, outdo one another in showing honor so that if we are to compete, says the Apostle Paul, let's compete in the way that we show others honor and respect race to meet the needs of the other, outdo one another in showing kindness and courtesy, build each other up in love. And it's one thing to say that, but it's another thing to practice it. But more specifically, how can you and I grow in our capacity to honor and respect others? And that will only happen when you and I realize that the people we meet with and deal with every day are indeed of incredible value and worth. I always thought of uh, the story of, uh, it's about Gary Smalley, who, uh, who is a Christian counselor, popular speaker, writer, and he illustrated respect in a, in a memorable way. He was addressing a crowd on, the, on themes of love and marriage and he began his talk by walking over to a table and uh, grabbing this old beat-up violin. I mean, it was, uh, you know, the, the bridge of the instrument was broken and the strings were dangling down. And, 
And, you know, it just kind of looked like a wreck. And so Swale held it up before the crowd and, and, and asked, you know, how much do you think this is worth? And everybody just, <laughs> probably not much. I mean, 10 bucks at the most, you know. Uh, and then Smalley looked inside the violin and read an inscription. It read, 1723, Antonin Stradivarius. And there was an audible gasp in the crowd as they recognized just how valuable this violin was. And I guess at the time it would have been worth about $100,000. And so Smalley passed that violin, you know, down the, the, the front row. And they handled, people handled it with great respect and handled it very gently. And the amazing thing is that just before, you know, for the people, it was just a piece of junk. Just a piece of junk. Nothing changed. Same old violin, same wood, same broken strings. But people chose to honor it as the rare treasure it was. Which is to say, people can choose to treat other people like junk, as they often do, writing them off as if they had no value. Or they can choose to treat others, other people like a Stradivarius, with profound honor and respect. Realizing that the people that they live with and work with, the people that they meet, all bear the imprint and image of their maker. What difference would it make in our day-to-day -day life as we go about our daily round to treat the people that we meet as if they were a Stradivarius? So they're worth a lot more than a Stradivarius. They bear the imprint of their maker. Wow. The medieval rabbis used to say that if we could only see, each person is preceded by legions of angels singing, make way for the image of God. Every person is sacred because they bear the image and the imprint of God. God Himself created them, and they are therefore holy. It was C.S. Lewis who said, next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. For in our Christian neighbor, Christ truly resides. What if we treated every human being as though they were Christ Himself? Not only do people bear the image of God, they are the people for whom Christ died. The Lord valued people so much that He was willing to go to the cross for them. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself, became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. 
He died for us all. He even died for his enemies. If you and I could only more fully appreciate just how sacred people are, how infinitely valuable they are, and how they're loved by the Lord, each person is an unrepeatable miracle, a cherished creation of God. Um, many of you have no doubt uh, seen the movie Schindler's List. Uh, it's a true story of Oscar Schindler, who was a Czech businessman during World War II, and uh, he was out to make a fortune during the war by exploiting cheap Jewish labor. But if you know the story, maybe you saw the movie, which was one of the hardest movies I've ever seen. But anyway, uh, he ended, Schindler uh, ended up penniless, but he saved over 1,100 Polish Jews from certain death in the Holocaust. And at the end of the movie, Schindler receives a gift from those he saved, a ring made from the gold fillings extracted from one of the grateful Jews. And the ring was inscribed with the Talmudic verse, He who saves one life, it is as if he saved the entire world. Such is the value of, one, of, of human life, one human life. You remember in the movie, Schindler lamented, If only I could have saved just one more. Just one more. The entire quote from the Jewish Talmud reads, in the beginning, God created only one person in order to teach us the lesson that if you destroy a single person, it is as if you have destroyed the whole world. And the Scripture reminds us, if you save the life of a single person, it is as if you have saved the whole world. Every life, infinitely precious. Every person, there is a world of experience and love unto himself or herself. Each, each life esteemed by God. For God came to us in Christ. He created them. He saved them, died for them. And so many of the people whom we have trouble loving are people who are going to have to live, we're going to have to live with them in heaven eternally. So, by golly, we better start loving them now. Start practicing that. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, if God has so esteemed others, if God has so valued human life, if He came down from heaven to become a servant and to die for all, then shouldn't you and I reflect that love and be a servant? Shouldn't we value what God values? And nothing is more valuable than a single human life. You and I are to honor our father and our mother, to be sure, but let us do the same to everyone we meet. Let our attitude be like that of Christ Jesus. Amen.